Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 29 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I'm your host, Luke Helgerson. I've been away for too long, but I'm back again. Yes, we back. Almost a month layoff, people. I'm sorry I've been away for so long, been busy. Life gets hectic, even during the pandemic. But we back. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get it rolling. Topic number one, obviously, NBA playoffs. So much time has passed. So many things have happened in the playoffs. We're already in the Western Conference Finals. Lakers playing the Nuggets. Heat playing the Celtics. Let's start with the game and the series tonight on this beautiful Thursday, September 24th of 2020, as the Lakers and Nuggets will battle game for tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Most of you will probably already listen after the conclusion, so I will give you my pick on the game, and we'll see how smart I am. But anyways, it's been a good series so far. Like the Nuggets, they're not going to make it easy for the Lakers. Lakers are the favorite. I got the Lakers winning the series. I had them winning in six to start the series, but Nuggets aren't going to roll over. This team has come back from down 3-1 twice. Twice. First team ever in NBA history to do it. First team ever. The Nuggets, the comeback kids, they just don't go away. Jokic, second best big man in the league behind Anthony Davis. Jamal Murray, at this point established, whatever position he plays, if he's a shooting guard, he's definitely top five at the position. If he's a point guard, you could debate maybe top eight. Because there's a lot of good point guards. Maybe you could say top five with the way he's playing this year. But they have been fantastic. One of the best young duos in the league. This, this Nuggets team has shocked me. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were going to win the Jazz Series in seven. But the way they went about it was incredible. And then against the Clippers, I thought the Clippers were going to win. I thought we were going to have a battle of Los Angeles. And here come these kids again. Coming back 3-1 Clippers. Epic choke job. But the Nuggets, you got to tip their cap. You got to tip your cap. For them to come back like that and ball out on the supposed favorites. Like everyone anointed the Clippers to be the champions. Everyone was saying it. Players, coaches, media members. They, they were by far the unanimous favorite among the media and the association. And yet they blew it. But you got to give credit to the team that beat them. The Nuggets just went off. Just Jamal Murray could not be stopped. Jokic was a difference maker. He scored like 16 points in one game and was the difference maker of the game because he had 13 assists. Uh, He can literally do it all. I think he's the most creative big man in the league. I would still say Anthony Davis is better, but as far as he's definitely, I say Jokic is second. Of all the big men in the league, Jokic is the second best big. I, he can do it all. You know, a little weak on the defensive end, but makes up for it with his passing, rebounding, smarts. I, he's just an incredible player. This Nuggets team is great, but with like every young team, growing pains do come. They made it this far. They made it to the Western Conference Finals against the one-seeded Lakers. Uh, they're having an incredible run, but I think the Lakers are the better team. I think the Lakers, you know, bounce back after losses better than any team in the league. Uh, 
I'm going with the Lakers tonight here on September 4th in game four, 24th. Game four, I got the Lakers winning tonight. They're going to make it a 3-1 series. And even with that, I don't think the Nuggets are coming back. They're not going to do it three times. And again, I had the Lakers winning in six. But, you know, that's what I have it going. So if the Nuggets win another game, wouldn't be surprised. Still have Lakers winning the series. They're the better team. Obviously, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, best duo in the league. LeBron's still the best player. Anthony Davis trying to validate himself as a top five player in the league. Uh, They're for sure the best duo in the league, but Anthony Davis is doing some remarkable things this playoffs. I know last game he only had two rebounds, which is shocking, but he hit the game winner in game two, an incredible shot. Uh, He just went off that game. 31 points, nine rebounds, two assists. LeBron James did his thing too. Just Anthony Davis has been a beast a beast. We know what LeBron brings to the table. LeBron needs help. Just like every legend of the game, they need a sidekick. They need someone alongside who they can trust to come through in the big moments. Anthony Davis is proving that. Now, I saw the question, who's LeBron James's best teammate ever? Obviously, right now at this moment in time, it is Dwayne Wade. Of course, you know, he's a four, he was a Finals MVP before LeBron joined up with him. He's a three-time champion. You know, he's Dwayne Wade, set third greatest shooting guard of all time. That's just who he is. But that's of right now, at this moment in time. If LeBron James and Anthony Davis do some special things and they win a few more championships and Anthony Davis happens to get a couple finals MVPs or even one, then we could start to make the debate. Then the debate can actually be validated whether Anthony Davis is better than Dwayne Wade. But as it stands right now, Dwayne Wade's LeBron's best teammate. But I digress. This Lakers-Nuggets series, it's fun. It's been enjoyable. I expect it to be a great game tonight. But like I said, Lakers always bounce back after a loss. They did it in the Portland series. They did it in the Rockets series. They've been doing it all year. They made a vow to themselves try to never lose back-to-back games. I remember an interview with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, talking about that very thing. Bouncing back after a loss. They do it better than any team. I expect them to win and make it a 3-1 lead over the Nuggets. Second, series going on. Only other series going on. Eastern Conference Finals. Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics. Last night on September 23rd, the Miami Heat take a 3-1 lead against the Boston Celtics. I got to tell you, didn't see it coming. I honestly had the Celtics winning this series in seven games, but my goodness, this Heat team is surprising me every step of the way. Just every step of the way. The way Drogic is playing, the way Crowder is playing. I know he had a bad game last game with only three points, but Drogic had 22-5-3. Jimmy Butler had 24-9-3. Bam Anabayo has been the huge difference maker, 20 and 12 in last game. But Tyler Hero was the big, big focal point last game as he dropped in 37 points, six rebounds, three assists off the bench. He could not miss last night. The only time he missed when he, he was wide open. Every other shot, automatic. An absolute sniper last night. Him and Duncan Robinson, wow, just a... Just great moves by the Heat, no, adapting to the league, getting the right pieces, and they, they just shocked me every step of the way. I, I thought they were going to beat the Pacers. Didn't think they were going to beat the Bucks though. 
thought they were going to make it competitive for the Bucs, but I didn't think they were going to steamroll them in five games. They've lost two playoff games to this point. It's been absolutely remarkable what this team has managed to do thus far in the playoffs. Nothing short of spectacular. Uh, I'm shook. Every time watching them, I just see it. I'm like, the Celtics should be winning this game, but the Heat just don't give up. So resilient. So many guys. So many talented players. I just Last game for the Celtics, uh, you know, Jalen Brown looked nice. He had 21 points. Jason Tatum, he had 28. Didn't score a point in the first half. Didn't score a point. Scored 28 in the second half. Kemba Walker had a nice game at 20. Marcus Smart, he was okay. 10 points, 11 assists. Daniel T- Tives, Teeves, whatever his name is, he is being the difference because Bam Anabio is eating and the Celtics have no answer. The pick and roll with Anab- with Bam and Drogic has been unstoppable. Uh, like They're finding Bam on every cut, every oop. They're finding everyone on every cut, every oop. This Heat team passes the ball very well. Ball movement is fantastic. At this point, there's no stop in the heat. They're going to make it to the finals. They're going to make it to the finals. 3-1, don't see the Celtics coming back. I really don't. It would be remarkable. It would be more remarkable than the Nuggets coming back against the Clippers. Because right now, the Heat just look like the better team. At least the Nuggets showed flashes of being better. The Clippers have showed that they were vulnerable. We'll get to that in a second. But this Heat team is just... They're playing out of their mind. Now, I do think had they been playing in arenas and had to go on the road, things might be a little different. I think that that might be the case with the whole bubble. That's what's kind of awesome about the bubble. But I do not think the Heat would have only lost two games to this point if they had to travel to Indiana, if they had to travel to Milwaukee, if they now have to travel to Boston. I don't think they would be rolling teams like this. They were 15-22 and 22 during the regular season in away games. Seven games under 500. That's terrible. That's the, with the likes of the Magic and the Nets. Uh, it's just, but that's what's cool about the bubble. Gives teams a chance to shine, really show themselves neutral court. So I, I do enjoy the bubble, but I do think things would be playing out differently if teams had to travel on the road. I do believe that the Lakers would be where they are. But and that's my that's my stance. It's like it, this the bubble's making a difference. The bubble definitely has an impact on what's going on. For sure. For sure with the Heat. I'm willing to say it. They're playing great. I don't want to take anything away from them because they're playing fantastic. But things would be different if they had to play in front of a crowd. But that's how the cookie crumbles. And I'm still going to give credit to the Heat. They played great. They deserve to win the Eastern Conference. They've by far been the best team. Just they got to win one more. Got to win one more. And I don't expect them to back down. They always seem to play hard. Eric Spolster is a winning coach. They got winning players. who got, Guys who just want to win. Jimmy Butler just wants to win. He doesn't care about stats, just trying to go out there and do whatever he can to get his team the victory. And the team has embraced that mentality, and they go out there and do it. They don't take nights off. They go hard every time. So I'll give them credit. Keep playing well. Let's just real quickly talk about the teams that got eliminated last 
round. Just a couple of them. We'll, we won't talk about all of them, but uh, first got to talk about the Clippers. <laughs> Absolutely. B-E-A, beautiful that they lost to the Nuggets. Beautiful. Who didn't love it? I know for one, I love it. If you know me, you know I'm not a big Paul George fan, Doc Rivers fan. No, I don't like either of them. So I'm glad they blew it. I'm glad they choked. I'm glad they lost. It was fantastic to see Paul George and company blow it. I know Kawhi's the leader. He blew it too. He did not come through. And I think he played a little factor into why they didn't win, obviously. He scored 14 points in game seven, didn't score in the fourth quarter. Yeah, of course. But his leadership style is he, he, Kawhi's always had a nucleus around him. You know, he's always had a good foundation. You know, he joined the Spurs with already Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. You know, a team that already is competing for titles, a team that already has championship aspirations, has won championships, you know, that's that's what the organization does. Okay, so, so Kawhi comes into that. He can be quiet. You know, he can fit in. He's got to, you know, buy into the system. The Popovich system is keep your head down, play hard. Let's go out there and do it. Perfect way for Kawhi to start his career and show the player that he is. That's why he won finals MVP. It's why he looks really great in the Spurs system and why it was so tumultuous when it blew up because it was kind of shocking that a player that seemed to embrace the idea walked away from the idea. Like load management was started by Popovich. It's not, it wasn't taken to the extent that it is now, but it was used by Popovich. He started the revolution of giving Tim Duncan back to nights off on a back-to-back, giving Tony Parker and Manny Ginobili, since they were older, it made sense. And Kawhi took advantage of that opportunity. He's never played a full season. He didn't even do it when he was younger with the Spurs. So, therefore, he doesn't have to worry about being the leader. Yeah, He didn't have to worry about it with the Spurs. That was obviously Popovich, Tim Duncan. Those guys are going to lead the way. Then he gets traded to the Raptors. Now, they had good foundation as well. Playoff team had gone in battles with LeBron James. LeBron always got the best of them, but they always competed, always were top of the conference, even in the regular season. You know, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, uh, Van Fleet kind of came out of nowhere for sure, but they always had a good core. They always had good foundation. And then bringing in Nick Nurse really up the ante there, but they already had good cohesion there. And Kawhi comes in, keep your head down, play hard, and it thrives. It works well. They won a championship. Granted, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson were hurt, but they still won the championship. They still will go down as the 2019 NBA champions of the world. That's just how it plays out. But it just showed that he didn't need to really be that vocal leader. Kyle Lowry was that figure with the Raptors. So Kawhi, again, can be what he is, be quiet, not really talk to the media, not give much to people, not not be on social media, not be out there in the spotlight. Yeah, he's doing a com- few commercials here and there, but... You know, you're not getting a quote from Kawhi about the most recent current event or voting rights or anything like that. You know, you just don't hear much from Kawhi. So it fit perfectly with the Raptors. Then he goes to the Clippers. And that doesn't work because he's coming in. Now he's the best player. He's looked to as the leader. He's looked to as the main guy. We go where he goes. That's where he's taking us. Well, he's nonchalant. He's quiet. He doesn't play every game of the year. You know, so when you see that, you kind of laid back. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll be there at the end of the year. Oh, worry about us come May, June, and apparently, I guess, August, September, October for the NBA this year. But, you know, 
that's the kind of mentality that they went with the entire year. They embraced Kawhi, and the leadership style didn't work for this team. It just didn't click. It, it wasn't cohesive. It just That's why they fizzled out. That's why they flamed out against the Nuggets. They had a lack of time together. Yeah, they brought in a bunch of new pieces, and so did other teams, but the pieces did not fit well, and that's why a lot of people are saying they might blow it up. I believe they will make moves. I don't know about trading Paul George because, you know, he, I don't know about that, but, like, Harold might not come back. They might trade Lou Williams. They might do a number of different things. So, uh, fr- frankly, I think the Clippers are the least likable team in the league. Paul George is super unlikable. Patrick Beverly, he is what he is, an antagonizer. Very annoying player. Montrez Harrell, do like his heart. I do like his energy, but he can be over the top sometimes, and I could see how he could get on people's nerves. And then Lou Will going to a strip club during a pandemic to get some chicken wings. Lemon Pepper Lou, like, come on, you're putting the whole bubble at risk. That's a pretty unlikable move right there. You know, and there's just other guys that I'm just not too big a fan of. You know, Morris is, frankly, he's shown he's a dirty player at this point in the playoffs, so he's very unlikable. Uh, it's just not a likable team besides Kawhi Leonard. I don't like Doc Rivers much as a coach either. I think he's vastly overrated from what we compare him to. You know, only coach ever to blow uh, multiple 3-1 series leads in the playoffs. He's done it three times. No other coach ever in history has done that. And he's choked a lot of 3-2 leads. He's choked a lot of 2-1 leads, too. Doc Rivers gets outcoached, and yet we anoint him as the one of the best coaches ever because he won one championship. It, Clippers are very unlikable, so it was fantastic to see them lose. I'm so glad it just how quick the narrative switches, how quick it switches up on this team. From being, oh, they're going to win it. They got the most talent. They got the most depth. Kawhi is the best player in the world. Paul George is a superstar. All this to then flip, switch, they lose game seven. Oh, can this team even win a championship as currently constructed? Uh, How much trouble are the Clippers in? Oh, just all the rumors that are coming out about them and Paul George giving a Game 7 speech of like, let's get after it next year and guys rolling their eyes and sign. It's just fantastic. Reports are coming out that bench players think they're, role players think they're as good as Paul George and they don't like how he gets an unfair treatment. It's fantastic. It's fantastic to see them blowing up and look pitiful. I love it. It's beautiful. Because I think the Clippers are the least likable team in the league. Go around. Do, do a survey. Do whatever you need to. Ask, ask yourself. Really think about it. Who's the least liked team in the league? And you think, hmm, yeah, I'd say the Clippers. Yeah, I don't like them. I don't like them. They suck. Fuck them, if you're going to be perfectly honest. So let's move on to another team that got eliminated. Milwaukee Bucks. God, the way they went out. You know, Giannis won MVP. Only third player in history to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same year. You know, (laughs) incredible, incredible. And they lost five games to the Heat. Again, tip my cap to the Heat, knocking off one of the favorites to win. Fantastic. It was, uh, I agree with what Goran Dragic said about this Bucks team. Giannis doesn't have enough help. I mean, Middleton is a nice, solid player. What is he? a top 35 player in the league, you know, 
I know he was an all-star this year, but come on. He's, he's not the guy to be next to Giannis to get them to the promised land. And then you have the likes of Eric Bledsoe, who can't make a shot. Brooke Lopez, we know what he is. And other than that, who else they got? Honestly, honestly. George Hill, Kyle Korver, both old. Who else are we going with? I, I don't Sterling Brown. I, I don't know. I they have they don't have much else for being the having the best record. You just see it. I saw it during the regular season and talked about it with a number of my friends. Their offense is boring. Their offense isn't great in the half court. It's Giannis kick out. Giannis kick out. Giannis kick out. Giannis dunk. That's the offense. It's not much better than that. It's very simple. It's very beatable. That's why the Heat made it look so easy to beat. They dominated them. They dominated them. The Bucks fizzled out. And, you know, Giannis should go talk to ownership. He should see how they're going to make this roster better because they need to make moves. Like, as a team that, as currently constructed, who can't win a championship, the Milwaukee Bucks, the pieces around Giannis will not win a championship. Not those pieces. You need to bring in some other guys. You need to bring in some playmakers. You need to bring in some scores. You, you need to create more offense rather than just Giannis. And, yeah, we can look at offensive statistics and everything like that and what their offensive rating is with Giannis off the court. When it comes to the playoff time, when things slow down, you need guys who can go get you a bucket. That's the difference maker in the playoffs. You see it, guys who can make shots. The Bucks do not have many shot makers. They really don't. Top to bottom, they don't. So they're going to make moves. You best believe. Giannis has already said, what are we going to do to make this franchise better? We'll do what it takes. Yeah, you better do what it takes or I'm walking. You saw what LeBron James did to the Cleveland Cavaliers after 2010. You're not going to give me enough help. You're not going to bring in free agents. You're not going to make trades. I'm Audi. Audi 5000. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I can't blame Giannis. He's been there long enough. He's given the organization opportunities to improve the roster, to get better. But now they need to go make the jump. Now they need to get over the hill. So let's see if they can do it. Let's see if they can do it. Final team that I want to talk about. You know what? We'll just talk about all the teams that got eliminated real quick. Raptors, they got bounced by the Celtics. It was a great series. Raptors, unfortunately, came up short. I actually had the Raptors winning that series. So good for the Celtics for winning that one. Good for them, but very competitive series. Um, Raptors, they're right there. Siakam just played really poorly in that game seven. That was the difference maker. That's what fell apart. Yeah, 13 points, 11 rebounds. OG Ananobi did not step up. Four points with Van Fleet, 20. Lowry, 16. It's what they should do. A buck of 14. Literally, Pascal and OG were the difference maker. That's why they lost, and they lost by five points. You can't be disappointed if you're the Raptors, though. Still got the same core. They're still going to have the same guys going out there. Ibaka's the only one they're losing. I would consider re-signing Ibaka. He's a very nice contributor and does a lot of good things. Great rebounder, can stretch the floor. I like Ibaka. Raptors should bring him back. But Nick Nurse, coach of the year, he deserves it. You know, the Raptors were great. They didn't miss a beat. With Kawhi, Kawhi would have made a difference. I don't know why Kawhi left. I think he had a pretty good situation staying with the Raptors. Yeah, we could say hindsight is twenty twenty, 
But that's what happens when you put together a brand new team compared to having a team with cohesion and already winning a championship. So I'm sure Kawhi might be having a little regrets about it after how this season played out, but the Raptors are in a good spot. Still got Lowry, Van Vliet going into next year, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. I like this team. I like how they're constructed. I love Nick Nurse as a coach. You know, he won coach of the year, like I said, and I picked him to win, so I know what I'm talking about. It's Raptors team. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be right back at the top of the Eastern Conference. And another team, I expect to make moves this offseason because they're right there. They just need another guy. They really do. Honestly, if they could keep the roster as currently constructed and bring in DeMar DeRozan, they have a chance to go to the NBA Finals. Whether they win it or not, is I don't think so because I still think the Lakers will be better. But they're right there. They just literally need another 20-point scorer to come in and help this roster. As currently constructed, you got to keep, though, Pascal. you got to keep OG. you got to keep Banfleet. you got to keep Lowry. you got to keep Powell. I would like to keep Ibaka, but he's a free agent. If you have to let him walk to bring in another piece, it's going to be a lot to make up. But, again, I don't think Marcus Hall is that guy either, so they might need to add two pieces if they lose Ibaka. But if they keep Ibaka, bring in another guy, I think they, that could be the difference maker. Like this Raptors team, like where they're headed. For Raptors fan, you can't be disappointed. you got to be happy with the future. got to be happy with the future. Unlike the other team that I'm about to talk about, the final team that got eliminated against the Los Angeles Lakers, the Houston Rockets. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni ain't coming back as coach. Again, James Harden fizzled out in another playoff. Russell Westbrook looked like he still can't shoot the outside shot. Lakers are literally begging him to shoot. Just It's how I expect small ball and live by the three, die by the three to blow up. It's going to look ugly when it loses because it is oh, only win in one way. We make more threes than you. That's all it is. Small ball is not going to stop Anthony Davis in the size of the Lakers. It's not going to stop Jokic. I don't even think it would stop the Clippers. Like The Rockets got to their peak of this season. A seven-game series and a second-round knockout to the Lakers. That is the peak of their season. That's as far as it was going to go. Title aspirations aren't happening. Because at this point, James Harden and Paul George, James Harden is better. We've seen it from both of them. They fizzle out in the biggest moments. They don't come through when their back is against the wall, when the pressure builds to the point of no return. They do try to return, and it looks bad. It's just they never, they don't come through. In the big moments, James Harden, he shrinks. I don't know, he does a disappearing act. He just comes up short every time. It's hard to explain, but that's what happens with him. It, every time, why, why would we think it's going to change? Please, can someone explain to me why we think it's just all of a sudden going to change and it's just like, you know, he, this is the year. This is the year where he finally comes through in the playoffs. It, it hasn't been seen yet. And he's only got two years left with the Rockets. It, uh, I'm hearing reports. I think it's pretty ridiculous because I didn't think him and Mike D'Antoni had that great a relationship. But they're, Philadelphia 76ers are talking about hiring Mike D'Antoni with the possibility of luring James Harden to Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, I guess they do have a great relationship because James Harden controls the offense with D'Antoni. He does whatever he wants. He gets to score 38 a night. He gets to look like the best scorer in the NBA with D'Antoni as his coach during the regular season playoffs. It just fizzled out because... They don't have the size 
Like small ball isn't going to win you a championship at this level. It just shows with how these Western Conference series ended up happening. Who have the best bigs in the league? The Lakers and the Nuggets. They have, Anthony Davis is the best big. Jokic is the second best. There's a reason they're in the finals. They're unstoppable. You need bigs to counteract them. You, you can even go look at the Miami Heat. I think the X factor for them is Bam Adebayo. He's unstoppable. If you don't have something to counteract him, he's going to dominate. That's just how I see it. You need a big, and you also need a wing or a guard. You need a little bit of both. You gotta, you gotta do a little bit of something. You gotta a little salt and pepper, little salt and pepper everywhere. So, and just this Rockets team, they're gonna make moves again. All these teams, I imagine, are going to make moves this offseason. D'Antoni's not the coach. They gotta find a center because <laughs> whoever is gonna coach them isn't gonna be like, you know what? Small ball can work. I can do it. It's gonna be like, no. It's gonna be a complete change. Of how the team runs, functions, does things. It's, it's, they're going to look like a brand new team, I would imagine. I wouldn't assume they're just going to run and gun like Dan Tony, whoever they hire. I would think the team that should hire Tyron Lue is the Rockets. Like James Harden needs a championship coach who has won it, been there, done that, needs a coach. Tyron Lue is that guy. Tyron Lue should be the coach of the Rockets. And maybe he can change Harden. Maybe he can put him in the right situation to come through in the playoffs. Because I have yet to see it. D'Antoni is not doing it for him. D'Antoni wasn't doing it for Harden. So now I think another coach can. Someone else can step in. But James Harden did this with Kevin McHale. He did it with Mike D'Antoni. Will he do it with a third coach? That remains to be seen. But another team, I expect the Rockets to drastically change come next season. So stay tuned for the moves. Anyways, let's move on. Topic number two. MLB postseason literally starts in five days. Do we realize that, folks? Uh, the sprint to the postseason is, well, they're coming down to the final 10 meters to uh, right now because there's not even. like They're at the la final meter. Uh, the weekend series start tomorrow, Friday, the 25th. Uh, we're going in the weekend. You get one day off, then we're going in the postseason. It's beautiful. So let's talk about how the postseason is going to break down this year. And they're going into a bubble. They're going into a bubble. That's right. Postseason is going to happen. Where it's going to happen, the American League is going to be in California. The National League is going to be in Texas, specifically at Petco Park in San Diego and at Dodger Stadium for the American League. And the National League in Texas at the new Ranger Stadium uh, Globe Life Field, and then where the Houston Asterix play baseball at Minute Maid Park. So how it's going to break down is the winner of 1-8 and eight and 4-5 and five will be at Petco. This is for the uh, Division Series. Well, actually, let's backtrack here. Let's backtrack all the way to the start. So the Wild Card Series, because so, 1 is going to play 8, 2 is going to play 7, 3 is going to play 6, 4 is going to play 5. That's how it's working in both leagues, a best of 3 series, and then we go in to the playoffs. Uh, per usual, but so for the card uh, wild card series, that's going to pl take place uh, September 29th through October 2nd, if necessary. And then the divisional series will be October f uh, 5th through the 10th. Uh, championship league series will be the 11th through the 18th, and then the World Series will take place October 20th through the 28th. So it is pretty much going to work out like a full season was played. 
sometimes they get games into November, but I like baseball. They managed to do what they did, had the sprint for the postseason. I think they got all the teams that could win a championship into the postseason. Everything's not set in stone yet. We're still going to have a lot of moving day for the National League in those bottom spots. Things are moving around by the day, so it's going to come down to the final day of the season to really see how it's going to play out. But as of as it currently stands right now, uh, we'll start with the American League. The top team um, would be those Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they already clinched the AL East. They've been playing fantastic uh, with the payroll of like $28 million or something. I go, the Ranger, uh, the Yankees, excuse me, have a player in Garrett Cole who makes more than the entire Rays organization. And the Rays are top of the league, 37 and 20. Just incredible, incredible. Oakland Athletics are that number two spot, 34 and 21. Minnesota Twins, currently first in the Central. They just jumped the White Sox yesterday. They're 35 and 22. Chicago White Sox, they're the four seed, 34 and 22. Yankees bringing up that five, 32 24. Houston at. Asterix, 28 and 28. They're the six. Cleveland Indians, 32 24. They hold the seven. And at the eight spot, the Toronto Blue Jays, 29 and 27. The Angels currently are tied with the Mariners for that nine. They're 26 and 31. Turned it up of late. Might be a little too late. Uh, they haven't officially clinched. They're the only team that hasn't. But with an Angels loss or a Blue Jays win, uh, the Blue Jays will clinch. Let's move over to the National League. So the Dodgers got the one, best record in baseball, 39-17. and 17. The Braves jumped my Cubbies yesterday to get the two spot as they're 34-22. and 22. The Cubs are third, 32-25. and 25. The Padres hold the fourth spot. They're 34-22. and 22. Cardinals... Uh, currently have the five. They're 27 and 26. Miami Marlins, 28 and 28. They're the sixth seed. At number seven is the San Francisco Giants, 28 and 27. And bringing up the rear, as of right now at eight, is the Cincinnati Reds at 29 and 28. It should be noted, though, that the Philadelphia Phillies are 28 and 29, and the Milwaukee Brewers, 27 and 28. So, like I said, it's going to come down to the wire. A few teams have clinched, though, in the National League. The Dodgers clinched, uh, Braves clinched, Cubs clinched, and the Padres clinched. So those teams set in stone. Cubs uh, have only clinched a playoff spot. They haven't clinched the division yet. The Dodgers and the Braves have clinched their division, but the Cubs currently just hold a playoff berth. So uh, St. Louis still has a chance, chance to catch them for that one spot. So as the matchups will currently go down, as of this moment in time, the Dodgers would play the Reds, the Braves would play the Giants, the Cubs would play the Marlins, and the Padres would play the Cardinals. In the American League, the Rays would play Toronto, the Athletics would play the Indians, the Twins would play the Asterix, and the Chicago White Sox would play the New York Yankees. Currently, how the postseason breaks down. God, it's been a beautiful year. 
absolutely beautiful year. Once the year concludes, I'll give you my picks for the awards. But until then, just enjoy baseball this weekend. Cubs play the White Sox final series of the year, Crosstown Rivalry. I love it. Baseball, wind it down to gear up for October. The World Series race begins the 29th. Let's get it popping. Topic number three that I want to get to. NFL season has already started. I've been away for so long. Sports series have come to a conclusion, and seasons have already started up. We're already going on week three tonight, Thursday nights. Terrible Thursday night game. The Dolphins are playing the Jags. Oh, it's a terrible, it's a typical Thursday night games, but it's going to get great ratings because it's football. I'm not going to watch. I'll be tuning in to the Lakers playing the Nuggets, but it's already been an exciting year of football. Um, First, before we get anywhere, I have done a disservice to you folks. I have not completed my over-under picks in win totals for the NFL this year. Given my NFC picks, let, let me finish out my AFC picks. So last episode, I did do the AFC West. I had the Chiefs going over at 11.5. I had the Broncos going over at 7.5. I had the Raiders going over at 7.5. And, and I had the Chargers um, going over. Uh, I will say, though, I did have it wrong. I had the Broncos at 8, and I had the Chargers at 7.5. I still think both of them will go over. So uh, those were my picks. And then for the rest of the conference, though, um, let's just go. Uh, Ravens, I got them going over. They're also at 11.5. Steelers, I had them going over as well. Um, Let me see what they were at real quick, just so everyone is aware. They were at 9.5, so yeah, I got them winning over. uh, I got them getting double-digit wins. Other teams, Browns are in that division. Uh, They're at 8.5. I got them going under. I got them going 8-8. And then the final team... Bangles. (laughs) Bangles. <laughs> Joe Burrow. He's looked great. I'll tip my cap to Joe. I like how Joe's been playing. Five and a half. Yeah, give me the under. Yeah, Joe Burrow's look good, but they're not a good football team. So let's move on to another division, AFC East. Uh, let's start with the Pats. Uh, Cam Newton's played great. He's been fantastic. We'll get to that in a second, but can't. Uh, they're projected at nine. I'm going to go push. You know, Cam Newton's look great. They're one and one as of right now. That again, I don't want to say these. Uh, what has already happened in the season has swayed anything. This is what I've already had. I already had it written down. These are already my picks. You can say whatever you want. I promise I didn't cheat. I promise I didn't just bank off two games happening and add and up those numbers. So I had the Pats push at nine. At there at nine right now. Bills, the other team, I think they're going to win the division. They're at nine also. I had them going over. We'll get to that in a second. And then uh, so I have the Bills going over. Dolphins, it's the Dolphins. Come on. Come on. Six, too high, low. (laughs) Give me the under for the Dolphins. And then the final team, J-E-T-S, Jets suck, suck. Yeah, they're terrible. What's their six and a half? <laughs> what was Vegas thinking? These were gimmies. Even with the way they're playing this early in the season, I would have still gone the under, and that's what I'm doing. Give me the under. And then um, what do we got? AFC South. So uh, Colts, they're at nine and a half. Give me the under. It's Phillip Rivers. Already had that. That's the case to begin with. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, come on now. Texans. They're at seven and a half. I'm going to take the over on that. I think they're going to win more than seven and a half games. You know, it's Sean Watson. 
who else got the Titans in that division as well? You know, they made the playoffs last year. They're at eight and a half. Give me the over. Just give me that over real quick. Tannehill, well, again, we'll get to it in a second. So I got the over. And then uh, final team there. <laughs> oh, those Jaguars. Four and a half. Yeah, give me the under. <laughs> yeah, Minshew Mania can win you three games. Maybe four, but four and a half, no chance. They're not winning five games. <laughs> it's the Jags. Come on. Come on. So those are my complete over-under picks. Again, I'm not trying to cheat the system by factoring in the first two games. I didn't do that. I promise. I promise. I, you can hold me accountable. I'm an accountable person. I got high integrity. I'm satisfied with my picks. I'm sticking to my picks. Let's go. But what I really want to talk about with the NFL is all these injuries. It's been scary. It's been really scary and just sad to see because it was a lot of big-name players going down. Uh, just massive injuries. So I'll just name off the first few big, big-time injuries. Nick Bosa, one of the best DNs in the league for the 49ers, tore his ACL. And it's come under controversy that MetLife Stadium there in New Jersey is that turf is not up to par. Guys are getting hurt. It's just... Damn shame for him to get hurt. Young player, team that's got Super Bowl aspirations. He's key to their defense. Definitely a huge blow. Another guy who tore his ACL, Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the league. It's a shame to see him go down. He's an absolute monster. You know, terrible team. The Giants aren't doing him any favors, but God, just sad to see he got injured when they were playing the Bears. It just, it was ugly. It was a shame to see, and uh, it just destroys the Giants. You know, they're just—they were already going to be bad with him. They're going to be atrocious without him. So, damn shame to see him go down. Another guy, another big-time running back, probably the best running back in the league, and who on my fantasy team, Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain. Ah, oh, just devastating. Just devastating. Before I keep mentioning guys who've gotten hurt, the thing—the reason I think these guys are getting hurt. Apparently not having preseason football and all that training camp and getting hit against other teams, I think it's having a real factor. I think it's having a real factor. Not getting those game reps, not feeling what it's like with the contact. I think that is factoring into why these guys are getting hurt and why guys are getting hurt so frequently. I know injuries happen. Football is a dangerous sport. It's part of the game. It's, it's just something that's going to come with the physical nature of football. But the rate that guys are going down is almost a little staggering. No, they shouldn't call off the season because of it. It was going to happen. Injuries were going to happen. It's just part of the game. But with the high-profile players, I think it really does matter that they get the reps, that they get hit, that they get the feel for the game. Rather, they're coming right into it, playing high-octane football from the jump. They're putting their body on the line without going any contact except the minimal at practice right away. Yeah, it's going to have an effect on their body being able to withstand that kind of beating. Football is punishing, and when your body's not ready for it, it can be even more punishing. But another guy who got hurt, starting quarterback for the Broncos, Drew Locke, sprained his AC joint. They just signed two quarterbacks who are from where I am currently residing here in the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, they're from Oviedo, just Jeff Driscoll and Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles back in the league. 
and Jeff Driscoll will take over for Drew Locke. Just a shame to see him go down. He was supposed to be a young, up-and-coming quarterback. It's too bad to see him. And then they lost a wide receiver, another torn ACL. Cortland Sutton, just wow, another ACL. And then the final injury that I got to bring up, uh, actually, I'll bring up two more. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. Uh, it's He's saying he might not miss time, but ankle injuries, I've sprained my ankle more times than I can count. And I can tell it, you do not recover in a week. So whatever medication he is taking, whatever shots he is taking, boy, I hope it is all the legal dosage because my goodness, that is going to be brutal to have to play on a sprained ankle. Just mm, take your time, 49ers. It's only going into week three. Give Garoppolo time. Don't come out and play him right away. And then the final one, Devontae Adams. He hurt his hamstring. Um, It's not known yet if he's going to miss time, but just more injuries to a key player. Packers have looked great. The Aarons have been playing fantastic, that being Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. But, yeah, it's just a shame to see all these guys getting hurt. It's just not shocking because it's football, but at the rate it's happening this early in the season, it's a little eye-opening for sure. It's a little bit of a cause for concern. I'm concerned about it. I'll say that much. I feel for the players. just sucks to have to go through injuries. Let's move on. Topic number four. I've been away for so long. Coaches are getting hired. The NBA coaching carousel just continues. More guys have gotten jobs. Let's talk, talk about the most recent hiring. Billy Donovan signs with the Chicago Bulls. I think it's a good hire. Yeah, has he shown that he can win playoff series? No, but he has shown that he knows how to coach teams to get to the playoffs, and that's enough to get you a job. Is the Bulls the best opportunity out there right now? No. As of right now, I would say, you know, the Pelicans would be a better option. Um, yeah, I would, the Rockets are a better option. Uh, the Pacers, uh, I think, have a better nucleus than what the Bulls are working with. It's, teams have better opportunities. There are better opportunities out there for Billy Donovan than the Chicago Bulls as they're currently constructed. But... I think a big reason why he's going there is because he's going to have a say in free agent and trade moves. Sam Presti, he runs the organization. He runs the roster. He controls it. He brings players in. Billy Donovan has to coach them. I think the Bulls kind of had an agreement that it's like, hey, you have a say in what management decides to do. You can put this roster together how you would like. And it's definitely a step up from what they were dealing with. Jim Boylan, he did not deserve to be a coach. He was just... Not good at all. He was like what, 39 and 84 in his coaching record. Didn't deserve to be coaching. I don't blame him. I'm glad he's out of there. I'm glad the Bulls moved on, moved in the right direction. They're bringing in a guy. Donovan has won. He's a winning coach. Levine already supports it. If the best player is buying into the coaching hiring, that's a good start. It's a good start. Do I think the Bulls will compete for the playoffs next year? No. That's because the East is getting better. But I think it can, they can improve vastly from what they were. And I think it's a good hire. Again, Donovan hasn't proved he can win playoff games, but he's shown that he can get the best out of his players in the regular season, turn them into a little bit of a... Uh, I mean, he can do a lot with little. Just look at the Thunder. They were not supposed to win at all this year. They were supposed to be in the lottery. No chance of making the playoffs. Like, uh, what were they, a five seed? 
Good Lord, they went seven games with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, Chris Paul's a great leader, but Donovan should get a lot of credit for doing that. He should get a lot of credit for getting that team uh, as far as they did. So I'm going to tip my cap. Good hire by the Bulls. And I think they gave him a lot of money. I think they gave him a better offer than what some of these other teams might have been hiring. Or maybe he just took the first opportunity given to him after saying that he will not be coaching the Oklahoma City Thunder after they mutually parted ways. The second hire, according to Stephen A. Smith, the white privilege hire of former two-time MVP and NBA Hall of Famer Steve Nash. Yeah, apparently he's undeserving to be a coach because he's white. No, that's, that's taking it too far to what Steven said. But no, it's not a white privilege hire. It's a good hire by the Nets. You know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Who are they going to listen to? Other guys who have done it. Guys who have been in their position and have played at the highest level and have been in MVPs and have been in big playoff games. That is Steve Nash. Yeah, Steve Nash never won a championship as a player, but he got his teams to the Western Conference Finals. You know, he was constantly battling against the San Antonio Spurs, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers with Kobe. Steve Nash is a great player. Is he a two-time MVP great player? No, but that's because very few players in this world are. But he's a good player, and also he's got a good relationship with Kevin Durant. I think when when a your best player buys in to the hire, it's just only going to make your team better. Like I said with Billy Donovan, Zach Levine appreciated it. Kevin Durant obviously had a big input on this hire. I mean, him and Kyrie are the main reason Kenny Atkinson doesn't have a job anymore with the Nets. You know, they moved on from him because Kevin and Kyrie didn't buy in. They'll buy in to what an MVP says. They'll buy into what Nash is preaching. And And Durant will vouch to Kyrie on behalf of Nash. Because Nash, if you don't know, was a player's personnel coach for the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Durant was there. So they built a relationship. You can go look up videos of Nash working with Kevin Durant on his offense and ball handling and just developing his game. That's what Steve Nash did. He created a good relationship with him. So it's a good hire. It makes sense. It's not a white privilege hire. Steve Nash didn't get the job because of white privilege. Other coaches have been hired with no coaching experience at the NBA level. Nick Nurse never coached in the NBA. He wasn't hired because of white privilege. Derek Fisher got a job right after finishing his playing career. Mark Jackson, he had no coaching experience, and the Warriors gave him a chance. Black coaches get chances. Byron Scott, he's was an NBA coach. Doc Rivers is currently an NBA coach. I don't think white privilege had anything to do with it. I think it was a superstar buying into the fact that an MVP, former MVP could be his coach, a guy who knows today's game, a guy who can make things happen in this league and help the Nets get better overall and will know how to work with his player. I think it's a good hire. Steve Nash deserves to be a coach. If he wants to be a coach, uh, he's one of the highest IQs in the game. Obviously, he's a former two-time MVP. I don't think he should be a two-time MVP, but he's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. So I like the hire by the Nets. I think So far, coaches' decisions have been good. The other coaching decision, I talked about it real quick when I dissected the Rockets earlier in the episode, but Mike D'Antoni, he said he will not be returning as the Rockets' head coach. He's got a lot of options. A lot of teams are looking at him. Uh, The rumors now, Philadelphia is looking at him because they let go of Brett Brown. Also, Indiana is interested in his services. Mike D'Antoni will be a coach again. 
I don't think he can win a championship as he currently coaches. He needs to definitely change some things, but you ain't teaching an old dog new tricks. And he's not changing things for anyone. He's not going to focus on defense. He's going to focus on pace and getting shots up. That's what he does. That's his mentality as a coach. But I think it is time for him to move on. He, he's not going to win a championship with Harden. Harden's not going to win a championship with him. Their play styles work well with each other. They do win regular season games and put up scoring titles and do all that. But he, they will not win championships. Harden will not win a championship with D'Antoni, and I don't think D'Antoni will ever win a championship. Not as he currently coaches, unless he just changes overnight and gets some more focuses on things other than shooting threes and getting a lot of shots up really quickly. Yeah, they're not winning championships. No team with him is winning championships. But he'll find another job. He's a good enough coach to keep a job, or to get another job, I should say. Uh, Moving on. Topic number five. Going to make it real quick. Look, folks, hockey. Yeah, the Stanley Cup. I've been away for so long. We're already playing championships in another sport. That is right. The Dallas Stars are playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. It's going to game four, the Lightning. The team of Florida, my home state where I currently reside. The Tampa Bay Lightning are 2-1 over the Dallas Stars. Their offense has looked great. Look, again, I like hockey. I am a hockey fan. I enjoy the sport. It is fun to watch. There's a lot of action. So much is going on at one time. Hockey's just an enjoyable sport to watch. Please tune in, people. But let's put it this way. I'm not going to act like I know anything about hockey and the players besides Crosby, Ovechkin, and a few other guys. You know, I know a few other players, but I'm not even going to attempt for a second to try and dissect the game and try to tell you who the better team is. From watching it, the Lightning look like the better team. That much I can tell you. You'd have to tune in to decide for yourself, but I clearly see the Hawk, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning as the better team in this series. It's been fun. Watch some hockey. Uh, like Steven Stamkos, uh, yeah, I don't even, uh, for the Lightning, God, who? I, I don't even know. I don't even know these players. I'm not even going to pretend like I do, but hockey is fun. It's enjoyable to watch. Game four of the Stanley Cup will be Friday, September 25th. Tampa Bay looking to take a 3-1 lead. Stars trying to stop that. Let's see if they can do it. I I got the Lightning winning. Again, I'm not going to try and dissect anything. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a fan of the sport. And now for my unpopular opinion. So I've already done something for the MLB and NBA. I've told you who the worst organizations are in those particular leagues. The Mariners are the worst MLB franchise ever, and the Timberwolves are the worst organization in the association's history. Now let's move over to the NFL. Who is the worst organization in the NFL, you might ask? And there's a couple teams that you could say, but I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears rival. The Detroit Lions are the worst organization in NFL history. Uh, why, you might ask? Well, it's pretty obvious. They've never been to a Super Bowl. 
And never, not once, never in their entire franchise history have they ever been to the big game. Oh, they, they've been, Matt Stafford has been to three playoff games alone and has lost all of them. Oh, but how long ago was that? Well, they haven't had a playoff win since 1991. That's the same year my brother was born. <laughs> what an embarrassment. Another thing they've done, they've had a losing season. They went a whole season, didn't win a game. Oh, and 16. That's right, the Detroit Lions back in 2008. God, they're just terrible. A couple other teams have done that. You know, the Browns, Bucks. Yeah, but the Lions are the most miserable organization. Most losses in the Super Bowl era, the Detroit Lions. They have the most losses in NFL history of all the teams. Tally them up, the Lions, most loss. (laughs) They're just terrible. When have they been good? When have you ever been like the little Lions have promise? And here's another thing. They've had good players. Oh, my God, they've had unbelievable players. I, they've had one of the best running backs ever, Barry Sanders. I, <laughs> Barry Sanders is incredible. Oh, my God. In his 10-year career, yeah, 15, over 15,000 yards, <laughs> 109 touchdowns. He won one MVP, played in 10 Pro Bowls, elected to the Hall of Fame in 2004. The Lions made him retire early because they couldn't protect him. And if I remember correctly, Barry Sanders never went to the playoffs. In his entire 10-year career, the Lions never got him to the playoffs. 10 years, no playoffs, with one of the best players at his position in NFL history, and you you can't get it done. (laughs) What a joke. And let's not forget, Oh, they had Calvin Johnson, who I consider the fourth greatest wide receiver ever. Oh, Megatron. Are you kidding me? Oh, he was a monster out there. Every time the Bears went against him, he feasted. He devoured them. Oh, my. Calvin Johnson. Like I said, I think he's the greatest, fourth greatest wide receiver ever. Played nine years. He had to retire early because of this organization couldn't keep him healthy. They abused him. Have over 11,000 yards, receiving yards, 84 touchdowns, selected six Pro Bowls. Uh, he was an unstoppable force. Meg Atron. He was incredible. Absolutely incredible. They've had talent. I will say, I like Stafford as a quarterback. Can't stay healthy because the Lions don't have a line. They've never had a line. They've never protected Stafford. They've never protected this team. They do, They hurt everyone. Oh, it's... They're just a sad excuse for an organization. They really are. One playoff win in 50 years. Think about that. 50 years. That's entire generations of seeing a team win one playoff game. <laughs> oh, it doesn't it doesn't get much worse than the Lions. It really doesn't. They're a sad excuse for an organization. They're absolutely pathetic. And that's why I think they are the worst organization in NFL history. And that's the end of episode 29 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you know, hit me up on social media. You ever want to have a discussion about anything sports related, feel free to hit me up. I'm your guy, you know, but stay tuned. Big things are coming. Big things are coming. I promise more episodes to come. I'm not going to take months off. You know, we getting it. We getting after it. I got things in the work, you know, so stay tuned. But remember, 
during this pandemic. Wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.